You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. What's going on, everybody? We're back. It's the Sooners Illustrated Podcast, episode 8 on this Thursday, August 10th, 2023. Josh Calloway, Colin Kennedy, James Jackson, Tom Green will be along shortly. Full disclosure, Colin and I are actually recording this first half of the show a day early on Wednesday, and that's because Colin's going to be in Duncanville, Texas tomorrow afternoon for the commitments of Colin Simmons and, of course, Caden Durham. Those are both going to be broadcast live on 24-7 Sports. So since Colin's going to be down there for that, we figured let's get his part of the show in a day early. And since it's meaty, we're going to hit some big names here uh, in this uh, part of the show. I figured let's go ahead and lead off the show with it. So a little peek behind the curtain there. Uh, Colin, busy times, man. Are you looking forward to uh, dealing with that circus tomorrow? Two two high profile commitments at one time. I gotta imagine is a little. Uh, I don't know if stressful is the right word, but a lot goes into that. I gotta I gotta assume. Yeah, I mean, I think people forget. I I did this for a living up in Nashville for like a year. <laughs> I ran all of the live commitments for both twenty four seven and CBS, and I I'm sweating it. I'm not gonna lie because they're. <laughs> They're basically sending me out there to be the fallback guy if stuff goes uh, the wrong direction. And that's always what you want to hear, right? Hey, if things yeah. start to go wrong, you're the guy we're all going to talk to. So, but I mean, I'm I'm used to it and I think it'll be pretty cool. I mean, Colin Simmons, I remember me and Mike Roach will both be there tomorrow. And we were at Duncanville Spring Game once upon a time and Amaria Boer, a little blast mm-hmm. from the past was standing next to us, pointing at Colin Simmons and says, no one knows who that is yet, but that's the next one up. So kind of going to be a full circle moment there for me and Mike to watch Colin Simmons commit. And then obviously Katie Durham is going to be a really big one as well, former Oklahoma-based guy making his commitment down in the state of Texas. So really excited to help those two guys get their commitments live streamed. And I think it'll be a really fun time on 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. Yeah, hopefully that's not a uh... – I don't know, a freezing cold take or whatever, because by the time this show goes out tomorrow, those commitments will probably already have already happened. So right. uh, if if those were a disaster, then this, that first part of the show is going to be a little sad to go back and listen to. So hopefully that's not the case. Every, everyone at home listening will be like, oh, Colin knew what's oh. happening. Like he predicted it. <laughs> Are they going to go uh, one right after another? How does that work? I, I don't have all the details yet from Duncanville, but from to, to my knowledge, I think they're both going to be at the same table and it's going to okay. be at the basketball arena out there. So I assume it's going to be a packed house. I'm sure. I don't know what kind of Wi-Fi signal we're going to have out there <laughs> either. 
So, but I, I think they're both going to be kind of doing a same time, uh, same time type of thing. And it's, it's a very interesting dual recruitment to follow down the stretch. So we'll see what they end up choosing. For sure. For sure. So look forward to seeing how that goes uh, tomorrow. Because of that, we're not going to really talk much Caden Durham at right. all on this show. Cause like I said, by the time this show goes out, he'll have already made his call. Uh, obviously, if you are a VIP subscriber, you know which way Colin is leaning on that recruitment. But we'll break it down and react more to it next week. Because, again, like I said, by the time this show goes out on Thursday, he'll have already decided. So anything we say right now is going to age like milk. So uh, we'll move <laughs> on to uh, other things. We have not a whole lot going on. It's a dead period. But there are some really big decisions coming up that we're going to get updates on. Obviously, one coming up this weekend and then one next Monday. That's a biggie. Um, we'll get into both those in just a moment. But before we do, let's do the known commodity first. Josh Isoso, come on yep. down. Edmund Santa Fe, offensive tackle. Big kid, <coughs> excuse me, six, three and a half, 305 pounds. Number 13 player in Oklahoma. He's a three-star uh, for us at Edmund Santa Fe. Made his commitment. Obviously, they got an Edmund Santa Fe defensive end. Uh, a preferred walk on Bergen Kaiser just a few days prior. So uh, a couple of uh, Santa Fe guys back-to-back. Colin, talk about it a little bit. What is Isosa project for the next level? Obviously, I think a, a little of a project, I think, is is fair to yeah. say, the three-star kid, but another in-state guy. Uh, what do you make of this get for Oklahoma? And, you know, how much upside is there, you think, uh, for, for Sooner fans to look forward to? I think there's a lot of upside here because as kind of a line of scrimmage nerd that I am, right, I, I watch tape briefly of these guys and I say, okay, what needs to be fixed and what's already present, right? What can be built upon and what needs to be adjusted over the coming years. And I think what stands out to me about ISOSA, right? What's currently there? Let's start there. As you mentioned, the frame is really interesting. Six, three and a half, six, four, depending on who you talk to. Some people think he's going to end up being about six, five. Yeah. Around 300-ish pounds. I mean, when you look at him on tape, it's not a lot of bad weight at 305 pounds. Like, I think he's definitely got some width to him, but it's not necessarily – one where you look at him and say, that's a body that has to be completely reshaped, right? Like it's a, it's an encouraging frame to build upon and reshape as you go through the college years. So I think what he is from an already put together standpoint, pretty encouraging. Then I look at him on tape as well. And I say, okay, this is a guy who probably projects as a guard, but I see him playing right tackle. I like that. I like guys who can move around the offensive line, bring mm -hmm. that versatility to the table. I think he's a kind of a road grader mentality type. I think that fits very well at the guard spot, especially. But man, if you needed him to kick outside to like a right tackle in an emergency situation, I mean, it wasn't too long ago we saw Cody Ford kind of make that transition himself, right? Now, I'm not saying Isos is anywhere near the player of Cody Ford, yeah. but that's something that Bill Bimbo values. And when you have that in an in state guy and you see what he brings to the table, I think it's very encouraging early on. He is someone who sometimes plays a little bit high for my liking. I think there are some technicalities to clean up in his game, but that's the other part of this, right? I, I look at what needs to be fixed, and I think a lot of it is just simple coaching stuff. And that's not necessarily a knock on him. I think he's just a young guy learning the position. I can tell that Edmund Santa Fe is continuing to work with him on pad level, hand placement, things of that nature. But he, he does a very good job in the run blocking stuff. I think he can continue to grow as a pass protector. And under the tutelage of Bill Beanbow, man, this is this is a very quality in-state pickup. And I think he's someone who, when built upon at Oklahoma, 
I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if someday you see him strutting out there to start a game or two in an OU uniform. So we'll see what they can do when he arrives on campus. But for the time being, I really like the pickup. And I think it's a good way to continue to fill out your offensive line class in the 24th cycle. Yeah, and I so saw, obviously, you know, if you've listened to the show regularly, he moved his commitment date up. Uh, he was supposed to commit later in the month. And then he's kind of said, you know what, doing this thing today. And uh, he did it. If you want to read more about him, uh, James actually was all over that uh, with uh, Isos' commitment story. Got quotes from him and everything. So that's on the site, Oklahoma247sports.com. Go back and find it. Learn a little more about him. Um, like you said, that versatility, that's something that we've seen over time that Bill Beatonbow really values. He really likes those guys who can move around. So uh, right. seems like a Beatonbow guy. And uh, like you said, if you, you can trust anybody, take somebody who's a little bit of a project, like I said, and turn him into a legit college football player at the major level, probably Bill Beanbow is a pretty safe bet uh, for that. So another Oklahoma kid uh, added to the fold. They actually had another one since our last show as well, a kicker, Liam Evans from Moore, um, who, you know, you look at that, you're like, in-state kicker. He actually is a pretty pretty darn good kicker. He's got yeah. a boot for a high school kid. I don't know how much you know about, about him if you want to chime in there, um, but he can – yeah, he's, he's a really good kicker. It wouldn't surprise me if uh, – you know, Mr. Evans is booting some kicks here before too long uh, for Oklahoma. Kickers are people too, Josh. You know, I mean, <laughs> yes. look, like, here's, here's the way I judge kicker commitments, right? I judge a kicker commitment based on what people immediately text me in the aftermath. Like, I'm not sitting here watching mm-hmm. kicker film all day. But when people are texting me like you and James and are like, this guy has a boot. Like, I think yeah. James said something about – He's kicked, like, game winners for his high school type. Like, not only is he a talented kicker, but he's a clutch kicker at the high school level. I mean, that's all you can ask for. So, I mean, look, we don't talk about it a lot, but OU's kind of spoiled when it comes to the kicking department. And if this guy can bring something similar to the table that they've seen maybe in years past, Mm. I'm all for it, man. I I like getting those kind of guys in the building. Yeah, I mean, not for nothing, but, I mean, as somebody who goes to a lot of high school football games all season long, there's a lot of teams that don't have a reliable kicker at all, even really good ones in high school football. So if you find a guy who can boot it right down the road in more big, big leg, and like you said, clutch, making game winners and stuff, that's a take. That's a take. It can be the difference in a big game for you down the road. So another Oklahoma kid there, another Oklahoma kid is committing on Saturday in Jay Nickens. We were talking about Nickens before. Um, obviously, Millwood High School in Oklahoma City, 2025 guy, got great uh, length, six foot three, one nineties. We have him at number twelve receiver in the class, number four player in that loaded 2025 Oklahoma class. It's committing on Saturday afternoon, two thirty. I guess uh, final thoughts here, Colin, before he makes the call. Obviously, by the time we do another podcast, he'll have decided. Seems like things are in good place here for OU. How do you feel about it in these uh, last couple of days here? Yeah, I think James or you or both will be there, right? And for obvious reason. I mean, I have my prediction in in favor of Oklahoma. I still feel confident about that. Probably going to put a note up on our board reiterating the confidence there. I think the 2025 wide receiver class was always going to be one that was maybe going to be a little bit tricky to figure out, right? Because they maybe were going to be limited in terms of the number of guys they could take relative to the expansive number of names that were on the board and held offers and things of that nature. So Nickens was one that I was like, 
how does this thing shake out? Like if if he drags things along, does Oklahoma maybe have to take a different player who's more ready to commit on the spot? But I mean, Nickens said, "Hey, I, I want to wrap things up pretty soon," and I think a lot of that has to do with the way that his relationship has been built with the Sooners over the past few weeks, right? I mean, he came to camp. You were there, I think, Josh, and. He had, a, he had a good camp. Yeah. He really got, got the ability to build a further relationship with Emmett Jones. Kevin Sperry's doing work on the recruiting trail. <laughs> this is another one where Sperry's been working very diligently to help Oklahoma in the Jaden Nickens sweepstakes. And so with a pending decision now on the horizon, I think Oklahoma's in as good of a position as any to land that eventual commitment. Now we'll see because, I mean, Oklahoma State was in there. I also kind of kept an eye on, like, Arkansas. I really like what that staff does from a recruiting standpoint. But overall, Oklahoma likely going to be able to hold on to another in-state prospect if all goes well. And for the time being, like I mentioned, it certainly feels like it's trending in that direction. Emmett Jones. I mean, my God, man. I mean, we talk about it a lot. The five guys he has in his 2024 group. 2025, he already has Grayson Harris and Elijah Thomas in with Sperry, obviously, uh, who we've talked about at length and every OU fan knows really well. You throw Nickens in, I mean, that is, you're putting together uh, a future core of, I mean, if just a few of these guys in 2024, 25 work out, you're going to have options, you know, for days as far as the passing game goes. Jeff Levy's going to be licking his chops a little bit. They continue to recruit at the receiver spot absurdly well. Uh, Emmett Jones just, Absolutely dominating uh, the last since since he got the job, really. Yeah. Um, all right, shifting over to one other one that I'm sure you're excited is about to be done, or at least somewhat done. <laughs> Obviously, not done until signing day, I guess. But uh, Williams Nowhere is committing on Monday, August 14th. He set the date. Um, Oklahoma, Missouri, Georgia, the big players there, maybe a, a dash of Tennessee. Everybody knows him. Uh, number one defensive lineman in the class, number three player, at least some at Missouri. This has been a crazy one to follow. We've talked about it a lot. Uh, Colin, it feels like no player has been requested for you to give input on more on the boards, and for good reason. Obviously, he's a special, special player, five-star and everything I just said. Right. How do you feel before Monday, uh, how things stand right now? Obviously, we're recording this on Wednesday. It could change by the time Thursday rolls around, but yeah. Wednesday afternoon, how do you feel about it? At this point, whatever I say right now is going to change in an hour, but <laughs> – I feel pretty exhausted about it. I'm not going to lie. I think I think the number one thing I want to say is this recruitment, I think, is getting a little bit clouded in terms of the way people are perceiving it. And I think Williams Winery is someone who is going through every option right now and trying to figure out in a multitude of ways, right, in a number of different layers, what's the best thing to do for myself and my family? And... I don't report on it often because I think, number one, it sometimes gets a little bit overblown in the world of recruiting right now. But number two, it's also very tricky. And I, I, you know me, I'm a very objective, more so facts-based reporter. And I hate reporting on stuff as fluid and iffy as NIL. But this is something that's playing a factor here, and rightfully so. I mean, we're talking about arguably the number one defensive lineman in America. Like, he's, he's that good. Mm-hmm. And I put a, an extensive layout of notes, essentially, 
sort of outlining like where we are, what I feel about it, how this thing is so shrouded and, and covered in uncertainty. But I think for me, it comes down to Oklahoma and Missouri. I think that Oklahoma continues to feel confident in its own personal approach, right? There are relationships we've discussed at length. There's also strong indicators that Oklahoma will remain aggressive on the name, image, and likeness front. It's just, you know, I was listening to a Power 5 head coach on a podcast last night, I think, and the point was brought up by him, and it was a very smart one. Like, there are still things we need to sift through that vary very widely in the, in the world of NIL and how that impacts certain recruitments and what that does to other schools. And that's what Oklahoma is essentially facing here. Missouri is benefiting from a concept outlined by Missouri state law that directs directly benefits them yeah. in the world of NIL. And I think if you're Oklahoma, I mean, what, what can you do? It's just not a lot to be said when you're facing something like that. It's literally a matter of how important is that in the eyes of Williams Winery and what does that end up doing in his decision? Now, I outlined again some thoughts that I have. If you aren't subscribed to Sooners Illustrated, I would I would encourage you to go ahead and subscribe because I'm sure I think I'll start up a VIP chat maybe on Thursday. I'll I'm sure I'll be answering a ton of questions. But the final thing I would say is just like like you mentioned, if he ends up picking Oklahoma on the 14th, I wouldn't be shocked. If he picks Missouri on the 14th, I really wouldn't be shocked either. I, I really do think it's a coin flip for lack of a better term, but I don't expect this thing to be decided come that date. It really comes yeah. down to signing day for me as these five-star defensive linemen recruitments normally go. So we'll see what the choice is come Monday, but I would tell you that whatever happens, I still am continuously getting the sense behind the scenes that this thing is going to go well into December. And until he puts pen to paper, both programs and others are going to be in hot pursuit of williams Winery. Yeah, you know, this is one that I think if Oklahoma doesn't win, and it does go to Missouri, I think if it was Georgia, I think most fans could probably stomach that a little more uh, for obvious reasons. And Missouri is, is an in-state move, but, you know, there's some coach instability there. They seem to be committed to, to drink wits, but, they, you know, the results haven't been there on the field and, yeah, yeah they're in the SEC, but oh, he's going to be in the SEC about time to where he gets here. So that doesn't mean anything. You know, it's one of those things that it'll be uh, it'll be a tough one to swallow. I think for Oklahoma to to not pull this one down. But like you said, you know, it doesn't feel like you hate to downplay the commitment on Monday because the commitment is a big deal. But it doesn't feel like one way or another it's going to be over uh, after wow. he decides on Monday, which is scary uh, for you for us. But that's kind of the way it goes. I think another thing to consider here, I think you bring up a great point. Oklahoma fans are sitting at home watching this or reading stuff on our board and being like, how in the world is this <laughs> Oklahoma versus Missouri? And I get it. It might be a fair question. But I think when you look at the Missouri side, we don't have a team site at 24-7 Sports dedicated to the Missouri beat. But what I can tell you in my dealings with that staff, they're very good at building relationships, very specifically with – guys nearby campus like they they know how to recruit those kinds of dudes and we saw it literally play out with luther burden not too long yep. ago yep. so they they are very good at recruiting elite players we have seen five stars 
go to Missouri out of high school. And while fans don't think it makes a lot of sense, guys like Burden or Doyle Greenbeck, like dudes go to Missouri at the end of the day. And that staff has done a very good job. I also think another big indicator here is Ryan Wingo, right? Like Wingo is a five-star yeah. in this class. And our own Alan True, who's our Midwest recruiting expert and a national recruiting analyst at 24-7 Sports, he put in the pick for Missouri in favor of Wingo. Like, that's a big deal. And I do think that it applies directly to the line of thinking when you analyze williams Winery. So, look, Missouri's a serious player. I think Oklahoma fans need to understand, like, they are a massive contender on the recruiting trail for a number of different reasons. And I think that they deserve the respect that they've garnered to this point, whether it has to do with Winery or any on any other number of elite recruitments mm -hmm. that we're seeing them be a part of on the recruiting trail. Yeah, no, you, you beat me to it in terms of it. It's different staffs, um, different side of the ball, but it's hard not to think think of Luther Burden a little bit. I mean, that was a five-star, you know, top-the-line player that Missouri beat Oklahoma for re very recently. So not completely unheard of. They do have the in-state leg up. They're not, you know, playing around on the NIL side of it, which Oklahoma is, you know, doing everything they can to hang in. But it's going to be interesting. And, and by the way, too, Josh, like, don't forget, like you mentioned, too, they just gave drinking – like an extension and it was like a yeah. big extension and OU's got to go prove it on the field drink just got confidence voted by his own board and administration so I think the fall has a lot to do with this as well because I think both staffs are are showing that there's more optimism about what's to come whenever we actually get to the season if that makes sense yeah well there's a whole season between now and that signing day so we'll yeah see what happens um all right one more Nigel Smith uh, not committing until September yeah. Melissa, Texas, uh, 6'5", 260, defensive lineman. He's a four-star for us. Number 19 defensive lineman in the class. Number 115 overall player, a little better in the composite. You put a crystal ball in for him this week to Oklahoma. Why? For a number of different reasons, but I will say, man, I love me some Nigel Smith. This guy is awesome. I, he's, he is going to be, if he commits to Oklahoma, a fan favorite in Norman. I have no doubt about that. I honestly do believe, too, that – he is someone who can end up being a team captain in Norman. He's that kind of guy. But in my conversations with Nigel and people around him, I think what gets forgotten, Josh, is that when this staff first took over the job in Oklahoma, Nigel was one of their first calls. Like, And Miguel Chavis essentially made him his first defensive end type offer. And Nigel has told me in a number of different ways, like that means a lot to him. And I think that Todd Bates and Miguel Chavis have not only done a really good job of selling development and the role and the, the vision they have for him at Oklahoma, and it's very detailed. But I think on top of that, they've just done a really good job of, of building arguably the strongest relationships within this recruitment. And Nigel's a very interesting one, man. His recruitment, I mentioned it, on the board, it spans from well up the East Coast all the way down into the South Central. When you look at like Penn State, Ohio State, Rutgers being involved to yeah. Texas A&M, Texas, and Oklahoma. So I, I think that come September the 8th, obviously Nigel has shut down his recruitment. He's no longer taking visits. He mentioned that on social media, and that's a big deal. And I think that directly favors OU. Because I would argue that what is in Norman is arguably his most known commodity to this point in his recruitment, right? 
So, and I just feel like too, Nigel is almost a direct reflection of the type of player and person that Brent Venables and that staff yeah. wants at OU. And so both parties understand this and communication continues to go well. I think Nigel, first of all, it's going to be cool too. If you're at home wondering what's going to go on, I've been told that basically he's going to record his commitment video and then run it pregame at the debut of Melissa's brand new high school stadium on the Ooh. video, which is kind of a sick concept, right? I mean, I think that's yeah. pretty cool. So, but I, based on everything I've been told behind the scenes and, and just kind of getting to know Nigel, I think he's a heck of a kid. He's, he's, I mean, look, he's a grown man, and it's why Oklahoma loves him. They really want him to represent the program. And to this point, I think the sell has been really effective, which has ultimately led me to put my prediction in favor of Oklahoma for Nigel Smith. If it's not Oklahoma, is it is it Texas, you think, is the biggest competitor, A&M? That's a great question. I think if it's not Oklahoma, it would be Texas A&M. I think – Originally, my concern more so centered around some of those Northeast schools like Penn State and Ohio State. He was going to take his official visit to Texas in early September before making his commitment, but that's been canceled. So that kind of rules out the Longhorns for me. And honestly, sources I've talked to, I mean, even around Texas, weren't necessarily all too certain of their involvement there. I think if anything, A&M was going to end up being the primary contender down the stretch, and they still are. Yeah. So I think the Sooners have some work to do still as they climb towards that September 8th decision date. But to this point, I still feel like Oklahoma has put its best foot forward and, and, and probably has the better overall pitch in Nigel Smith's view than Texas A&M because the Aggies kind of came in a little bit later in the game. And while being aggressive, it's there's still some ground to cover when we talk about them trying to compete with Oklahoma down the stretch. Absolutely. And that commitment, like you said, September 8th. So still a little ways to go there, a little less than a month, but uh, one to keep an eye on. Certainly Colin Pace is going to go Oklahoma's way. Um, you mentioned Bates and Chavis. Is it, are they kind of undecided there as far as interior or outside? Could he go a little, go both, I guess, and we'll wait and see what they need sort of a thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's another very good question. So Nigel is a very unique individual in that he can probably do a number of different things for you on the defensive line, Nigel told me they have discussed essentially playing that defensive end role with the ability to kick inside on passing downs, Mm. allowing edge players, outside linebackers to rush off the edge and utilizing his pass rush ability on the inside against interior guards, maybe guys who are a little bit slower of foot and they need to get obviously moving in order to block someone like Nigel in crucial passing down. So he's, he was really interested in the idea that he might get to work with both coaches yeah, and work with them closely because obviously Bates is arguably one of the best developers of defensive line talent in America. And Chavis has just been a rock star since getting this on-field role. And so he, he'll get to essentially work both outside and inside. And, and some of it will have to do situationally, but the other part is how do they want to give opposing offense certain looks where are the opportune matchups, things of that nature. And I think Nigel's really excited about that concept. And it's why when you factor in both the development and the potential role, it's it's what really gives Oklahoma an upper hand because they're willing to experiment with him and figure out mm-hmm. what fits him best. 
No, that makes sense. I mean, the opportunity to work for both guys, salt and pepper, as they call themselves, uh, Shavis and Todd Bates, the chance to get to, uh, like you said, kind of go best of both worlds there. Bates' pedigree and Shavis's kind of ascension and his personality, yeah. that, that is, it's not hard to see why that would be attractive uh, for a player like Nigel sure. Smith. So, well, good stuff. Um, obviously, some big name uh, commitments there to watch coming up soon. Like Colin said, Jay Nickens next up on Saturday. 2.30. Uh, the plan is to be there, both of us. I know James is going to get there. I should be able to get there. I don't know for sure in the next day or two, but one way or another, we'll have lots of coverage for you on whatever Nickens does decide to do. And uh, yeah, Williams Noary on Monday. Uh, let that circus uh, commence in just a few days. Colin, appreciate you, good sir. Good luck in Duncanville. Hopefully by the time this show comes out, everybody can go back and watch and listen and be like, it went great. He's worrying about yeah. nothing. So. I would I would appreciate some encouragement depending <laughs> on either which way it goes. But always fun, my friend, and you at home, if you're not subscribed to Sooners Illustrated, go ahead and do so now. And, hey, if you're on the fence about it, I'll give you a little inside scoop. Maybe I'm pushing the mustaches over at the corporate side of things to give us a little 50% off deal maybe sometime soon. We'll see. <laughs> there you go. I'm, I'm pulling the strings. You know, I'm trying my best. So There you go. Absolutely. It's been uh... – a great first few months uh, of Sooners Illustrated, and the season's right around the corner. It's going to be Collins. We get out to games constantly. James, I can get out to games in Oklahoma constantly. It's going to be flowing uh, regularly here coming up very, very soon. All right, so we're now going to time travel to tomorrow uh, with Tom and James, and we're going to talk about the latest from fall camp and do our breakdown of the linebacker group. Uh, for the Sooners heading into 2023. So time traveling to Thursday with Tom and James right here. The Sooners Illustrated Podcast will be back after this short break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, we've now time-traveled to present day, if you will. We're here now on Thursday. I'm joined by Tom Green, James Jackson. Great recruiting convo with Colin there. Now we'll do some fall camp and some current team stuff here with Tom and James. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Pretty good. I'm, 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 I'm mad that I missed the Colin Kennedy section of the, the podcast. <laughs> I can't wait to hear that back and see what he's saying about some of those in-state guys and things like that. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is going to be fun. Back to the team, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. I mean, we're a week in the fall camp now. Got to get out there on the field a couple times. This week, the weather's been a little bit more bearable. Oh, yeah. In the hundreds. <laughs> I know it's going to creep back up over the weekend, but, uh, you know, it's been it's been a nice little reprieve uh, between that and the return of football. So things, things are going good, man. It's ramping up. 
it's ramping up. Colin and I were kind of talking about it. You know, some high school games coming up soon. There's NFL preseason games, you know, tonight and stuff like that. It's ramping up. We're a couple weeks from week zero. Feels good. Feels nice. So, yeah, like Tom said, we've had two open practices, which we talked about a little bit earlier in the week. Um, we've talked to a bunch of players now, and we're going to get into that, a little bit of that more here um, with these guys. Obviously, since last show, we talked to a medley of players on Tuesday afternoon, right after we, we pretty much recorded the show, and then I pretty much hit down in Norman on Tuesday. We talked to Dylan Gabriel. Um, Drake Stoops was there. Woody Washington was there. Several others. So, you know, just kind of open up the floor here, I guess. Uh, anything that stuck out from those guys. We're going to do our linebacker preview uh, breakdown in just a minute before we do. A little fall camp. Anything you guys are hearing? Rumblings, things to take away from Tuesday? Kind of open floor here, however you guys want to go with it. Yeah, I think the first thing that really stood out to me uh, from speaking to players on Tuesday was just listening to Dylan's, you know, very business-like approach to his second season in this system and at mm -hmm. Oklahoma. Um, you know, he, he really sounds like he's prepared to take on more of a leadership role. Um, you know, he knows he had a pretty good season last year, but there are obviously areas that he needs to improve upon. Um, certainly third down efficiency is one of those. I think he completed just 53% of his passes on third downs last year, had more interceptions than touchdowns, uh, three to four, I believe was the, the ratio there. Um, so he knows that there are areas that he can improve and he just feels more comfortable and like a, there's a better level of trust now that he's in this second year in the system. And with Jeff Levy, I know it's his third year with him overall, but now they've got a little bit of continuity there, even though some of the pieces around him are obviously changing. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I talked to Before you get in there, James, okay. I, I want to say real quick about the Gabriel thing. You know, it, it his attitude is very interesting to, to contrast maybe to last year. Um, he was the new guy. He came in. He's taken over in a weird spot. You know, first year under Brand, he's replacing Caleb Williams slash Spencer Rattler. Stepping into that role that, I mean, so many really good players have occupied the last decade, really. I mean, going back more than a decade, but especially the last decade or so, going back to Baker and Kyler and everybody else. And, you know, his attitude is, is different. He has a different mindset. He's a little more, I think, relaxed. He's always kind of a low-key, even-keel guy. But I think he's maybe a little more relaxed and – you know, he was asked on Tuesday, does he feel like he's maybe a little underrated, you know, overlooked? Um, because, you know, we talked about on the show before, Tommy brought it up, that Jeff Levy mentioned he can get into the top 10 of all-time passing yards. Mm -hmm. But a lot of college football. And if you look at almost any list um, from any outlet, our own included, 24-7 sports, of the top 10, top 15, whatever, quarterbacks in the country, he's never on it. Um, never on it. Never included. So, you know, he's, he's got a different kind of attitude and mindset. You know, he was very open about, hey, we went six and seven last year. You know, you know, kind of being transparent with uh, everything. He has an interesting kind of tone and attitude that I'm I'm curious to see how that plays out on the field. But I, I noted that uh, as well. Go ahead, James. I think that's a great place to be, though, especially as a quarterback. You have, to have that chip on your shoulder. I mean, that's what, yeah. you know, fired Baker Mayfield up for a lot of his time here it was just – he was he, he felt like he was underrated. You know, came in as a, as a walk on. So things like that can really you know help out. And it seems like Jeff Levy is very high on him, wanting to be in the top ten. That's the question that I even asked him was like, having an experienced guy like him, mm -hmm. I mean, how does it help you run your offense and things like that? And that's that's kind of where that quote came from. So uh, it seems like it seems like in Oklahoma's room, they feel like they're better than people think they are. And I think that you know you look at the rankings and things like that. Oh, you came in at number nineteen on the on the USA Today coaches poll. I mean. 
quarterback plays a big role in where you're ranked at in that in that situation too. I think if he was ranked higher, maybe they would be above you know Oregon State, you know teams like that that are ahead of them right now that uh, you know maybe don't necessarily need to be there. But we'll see on that. But going back to the question, I talked to you know like Drake Stoops, got to uh, talk to him again. Like we talked to him at Big Twelve Media Day, right? And kind of went through the things he had mentioned that. He wants to be a leader for those younger guys. He wants to talk to those guys and, you know, be the guy for them. But he also wants to improve himself. And he says, I'm kind of taken away from, you know, different things from each player to get to that point. So I asked him, you know, at this point, who, who are you taking away from? What, what what can you share on that? And he, he talked a lot about, you know, you know, taking things from Gavin Freeman and Jacques Petaway, take, taking their, you know, most best skill sets and, and really running with that. And I'll have that up on the site here pretty soon. Really want to go in depth on each player's strengths that he kind of pretty much gave it to me, like, that's why he's taking it away from us. Their biggest, their biggest uh, strength. So I'll, I can't wait to put that on the site and see what everybody mm. thinks about that. Yeah, no, that's interesting for sure. That receiver room is, it seems like anytime you ask any guy about, it's like a different receiver's name comes up almost from every, depending on who you ask, if yeah. that makes sense. Like yeah. it, it, that room has got a lot of potential guys who could emerge. And we talked about that before, but yeah, don't hear about some really nice things to say about Jaden Gibson on Tuesday, for example. Like it, mm-hmm. it there's a lot of different possibilities for the way that <laughs> that was be. a funny one that Drake mentioned too. Jaden Gibson he was like taking away what he does on like the jump ball situation. He's like, I'm not that tall, but I mean you can still admire <laughs> and try to take away some things from that. So that yeah, was a def- funny quote he had from that. Yeah, I mean I mean we we've all heard about Gavin Freeman throughout the offseason, mm-hmm. you know, what he did in the spring. We we know what they have in Drake Stoops and what Jalil Farouk is capable of. Um, but it it really does feel like, you know, every time we we talk to these guys, there are a couple of like lesser known names that we keep hearing. Obviously Jaquez Petway's a guy that we've talked about a lot the last couple of weeks and, you know, just what he can bring to that room as even as a true freshman, but, you know, Jaden Gibson and Nick Anderson are two guys who have looked pretty good out there and we've heard some good things about. And obviously they bring a little bit of a different dynamic to that wide receiver room because they're six foot five and six foot four. They're mm-hmm. the type of guys that are yeah. these more big bodied receivers that they don't have. Otherwise, you know, they have wider catch radius, um, and can really probably open up the field in some different ways. So to hear that those guys are, you know, coming along, especially this early in camp, I think that's a promising development for that wide receiver room. It'll be certainly interesting to see how they continue to to rotate in there. I know they're rotating all those guys a lot right now. Emmett Jones and Jeff Webby, you know, said they want, you know, six, seven guys that they feel really good about rotating in at wide receiver this season. Um, but yeah, it, it is interesting that we've heard you know a handful of different names from different people so far but it seems like those those guys in particular have been a constant this last week yeah for sure and the wide receiver breakdown that'll be our next one uh on coming up in the early week uh early week show next week uh gonna be an interesting position to break down because the there numbers are rising the number double rising. digit guys that you could bring up <laughs> as being like i believe in at him player yeah. x so that's gonna be a fun one uh to break down Oh, Tolson too. Woody Washington, you know, we got to talk to him a little bit. And, you know, he's in a weird spot because he is far and away the most experienced cornerback on the team. Um, clearly a number one cornerback. And from what I've been told, he is asserting himself as that number one cornerback, which is to be expected. Um, but him kind of talking about just the overall depth, he took it in a different way than some of the other guys have taken the kind of the depth conversation. Um, most guys talk about how it just, you know, Iron sharpens irons, that cliche. Everybody has to, because you're just going to lose your reps or whatever. 
But he really made it talk about more that it makes practice better because more guys know that they're going to get a chance and mm-hmm. more guys are going to be fresh during games because he can rotate in more. Kind of interesting perspective on it that I hadn't really heard most players take when asked about kind of the overall depth of the team. Um, it, that was interesting to hear. I'm talking about just kind of guys keeping fresh in that everybody knows, even like guys who are lower in the totem pole, because they're more ready than they've been in the past, they're going to get opportunities. And so it's kind of, it's a more, um, I don't know the right word. Like the, the overall vibe is higher, I guess, because they're just, everybody kind of knows like more guys can play and will play. So it's kind of interesting to hear his uh, commentary on that. Yeah, I think that's one of those situations that's kind of almost unique to the defensive back position. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we've discussed it here before, but you know, you can never have too many quality defensive backs, especially in this current age of college football with, you know, these wide open offenses, you know, up tempo, you know, that takes a lot of energy um, to, you know, play those reps, run downfield, every single play like that. So to have more guys that A, you're comfortable with rotating and B, are ready to seize their opportunities. Um, you know, it, it, it makes sense from that standpoint for Woody to kind of have that mindset. Mm-hmm, Absolutely. Yeah. Woody's one of the guys I didn't get a chance to talk to personally, uh, let you guys handle that. So really interesting to hear what you guys, you know, heard from him and, and what he said, because obviously that's a, it's a big role to have. I mean, to be the guy that everybody's looking up to now and, you know, a lot of guys haven't played as much. So you want to, you want to get that comfortability. So just having guys that can go in there and be confident that they're going to get reps and really hash it out in practice. That's a good sign for you. Yeah, and, and like Josh said, I mean, Woody knows that he's the guy there at corner. Everybody else is kind of competing for the number two job and for rotational spots right there because, you know, he's just got so much more experience than everybody else in that room. I mean, you you look at, um, you know, Gentry Williams mm-hmm. last year, Kenai Walker, those guys only play like 80 and 60 snaps total last yeah. season. And, th- and that's their two most – their two next most experienced cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you don't include a guy like Kendall Dolby who played two years of junior college ball, so it's obviously a different different level there. Um, but, you know, Woody seems to really be embracing the role of kind of the old head in the room, you know, the mentor, um, and bringing these guys under, under his wings. Um, but, you know, they feel really good about – just the quality of defensive backs there from when we talked to Jay Valet at, at media day and just talking to Woody and hearing what some of these younger guys bring, you know, we know about Gentry Williams, Josiah Wagner's a guy we've heard a whole lot about. They like Makari Vickers, um, Jaden Rowe. They like all those guys. So um, again, mm-hmm. it's just, just going to be really interesting to kind of see how that rotation shakes out in the coming weeks. Um, I still expect Gentry Williams to be that number two, but man, Josiah Wagner is a guy whose stock just keeps going up and up and up right now. Mm-hmm. They're all going to hit the field. I mean, that, that's what it seems like at this point. They're all going to hit the field. And, yeah, you know, at, at least early. Yeah, uh, at have least some contribution. Early. Yeah, somewhere. Yeah. And uh, you know, cream will rise to the top. Maybe shorten that thing up, almost like a, almost like a basketball <laughs> coach. You shorten your rotations when the when the conference play gets underway. Yeah, when it yeah. Gets, the Bulls start flying the Texas game, or whatever. But early in the season, we talk about it. Everybody has. Schedule is light early. Um, you should have some opportunities to play a lot of dudes and see what you have a little bit. So it's going to be exciting to see. Secondary overall is, you know, that's been a bit of a bugaboo for Oklahoma and Oklahoma fans last, uh, you know, a while. Um, so to have depth and a lot of guys that you feel good about, that's got to be nice to hear uh, if you're a Sooner fan. So, yeah, fall camp continues to rage on. Like I said, we've only 
talked to some players. They haven't been in practice since the last show. We are anticipating getting back out, um, being allowed to come back on on Monday. It looks like beautiful weather. So I look forward to that uh, coming up next week as fall camp continues to rage on. They should be having a scrimmage here pretty soon before too long as well, the first one. So be on the lookout uh, if you're VIP subscribers for some notes from that um, whenever that comes up here in the very near future. All right. We've been doing our position breakdowns. We're over halfway now, or we are halfway, I guess. We've done five. We've got five to go. Taking one at a time each show. Being right up to the start of week one. What's up? One point before we get there, because I know I, sure. I don't want to miss him. I don't want to miss him. We talked today as well, Dave McCullough. And, uh, you know, oh, got, yeah. A, yeah, got a, a, a understanding of what, where he's come from and what he's what he's been through. Obviously, coming from a, a, a home that's all about football. You know, his dad has been, you know, coaching in college for quite some time and, uh, Got to hear that, hey, design, he didn't know design was coming with him. So that was a, a fun story. He said, I committed, and like two two minutes later, he came right along with me. I had no idea that was happening. So that was a, a fun quote to get from him. And now he's just like, I'm just trying to learn the playbook and get and get situated in you know this system and pretty much everything like that. And I was like, hey, you you played football your whole life. You know how to play football. It's just learning terminology now, right? Is that that's pretty much the, what you comes down to with the playbook? And he was like, yeah. I mean, I'm from a small school, so some of these words are kind of big for me at this point, but that's pretty much what it is. And I was like, okay, <laughs> makes perfect sense. All right. Yeah, 100%. Now, a lot of tension there on Desan McCullough for obvious reasons and for mm -hmm. fair reasons. But, yeah, Dave McCullough can play. Uh, he's a young mm -hmm. guy. So just a summer enrollee, so we don't know a whole lot about him just yet. But yeah, um, he's going to factor in down the road before too long. That's for sure. And a great story from James on that. So check that out on uh, Oklahoma.247sports dot com on the McCullough brothers. Um, all right. So like I was saying, linebacker position breakdown. We've done five positions, five to go. Linebackers, Brent Venables, baby. This is his position. You go out to practice. That's where he's hanging out. When they do the individual drills, he's at the linebackers. Um, Ted Roof is a linebackers coach, but a big quotation. I mean, kind of. Brent Venables is the linebackers <laughs> coach uh, in reality. Um, this is a position that Everybody knew it was going to get better when Brett Venables was hired. The depth does seem to be a whole lot better, and so we're going to break it down a little bit. So some initial thoughts, guys, on this linebacker group, obviously spearheaded by Danny Stutzman, leading tackler in the Big 12 last season, and he's back. Um, he's the face of the team. Um, he's, he's everything on that defense especially, but really the whole team. And he is in that linebacker room. A lot of young guys with a lot of upside. You add this on McCullough. Some thoughts on this room uh, going into 2023. Yeah, I think they're in much better shape than they were last year. I mean, you look at what Danny Stutzman did last year. Obviously, he took a tremendous jump from his freshman season to his sophomore year. Mm -hmm. You know, started all 13 games at the Will linebacker spot and, you know, had 125 tackles, 10 and a half for loss, three sacks, a couple interceptions, handful of pass breakups. But he also played way more snaps than anybody else in that room. You know, he, he played almost – a thousand snaps last season, which is just absurd. Yeah. Um, you know, this year they feel a lot better about their depth. You know, Jaron Canick's really come along. You know, you know, he said his head head was spinning last year because it was the first year he really you know focused on playing linebacker, and you know, expect him to see a bigger role. You mentioned they saw McCullough. Um, you know, Justin Harrington's going to be in that cheetah position too, and then adding a guy like Connor Near, who is mm -hmm. a winner at the division two level, won national championships there, you know, 
was an All-American at that level, has played a lot of football just at a, you know, a lower level. But he's a guy that who looks the part and really, you know, sounds like he's ready to come in and contribute to that room. So I think they're going to be in much better shape than they were last year. And it all starts with Danny Stutzman, you know, doing what he does, but being able to do it while still staying a little bit more fresh than he did last season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tom said it best. I mean, that's that's pretty much what it comes down to. I think this linebacker room is is really really good. I th- you know I'm very comfortable with where they are right now. And like I said, I've I've praised Connor Near before, so I'm I'm high on that guy. And I I believe he's going to be really really good. And you already have Danny Stutzman, who was the best in the Big Twelve. I mean, I mean, what can you say about that? And just having him to lead these guys. I mean, Jaron Kennick talked about that uh, when we talked to them this week as well. Like just talking about following Danny Stutzman and. and learning from him and things like that because obviously Jaron played quarterback in high school for most of the time. He was really, really good quarterback, just running all over teams. But now he's mm-hmm. focusing on defensive linebacker. And you look at that game he got, had against Nebraska, maybe that's like his potential, that, that 10 tackle game and a forced fumble. I mean, that's a that's a big game for him. So I, I feel really comfortable with this OU uh, linebackers group. Is. I think my score is going to reflect that too. Yeah, you know, I think what I think the X factor here to take this this group from good to like to great is those year two guys. Like you said, mm-hmm. Jaron Canick for sure, uh, Kobe McKenzie, Kip Lewis, mm-hmm. those guys, and you know, just didn't play uh, last year, even though they were thin, even though they were playing Danny Stutzman a billion snaps, and David Aguebu didn't have the season that he was hoping for. Deshaun White had a fantastic season at Cheetah, but still, you feel like you you know. We talked about all season that the depth's not there. They want to rotate. These guys are gassy in the games. But Brent Venables just never wanted, never felt comfortable, never wanted to toss those guys as freshmen into the fire. And he has since said he maybe should have. He talked about that at Big 12 Media a little bit. Maybe yeah. I should have played young guys a little more. But he didn't last year. So, I mean, it, it, what's done is done. So now can Cody McKenzie and Kip Lewis, guys who didn't see the field, I mean, just at all, um, are they ready to actually play? and contribute and rotate in. Both guys look the part in practice. I've always been a big fan of Kobe McKenzie. Kip Lewis led the team, period, not of linebacker, led the team in tackles in the spring game. The only knock on him at that time was he needs to get bigger. He's gotten bigger. Um, he, he's filling out nicely, uh, put it that way. Are those year two guys ready to, to be factors? Because if they are, I mean, the depth is – really really good when you add near you add mccullough stuff's been back i mean that's that's a really nice group yeah for sure yeah and, and that cheetah position you know i know deshaun white was solid in that role last year but i think they're going to be better there too just because you know justin mm-hmm. harrington has another year under his belt of learning that position it's not an easy position to learn um it's obviously one that's very important to brent Venable's system you know kind of that hybrid db linebacker role um and you know I know he's always been a guy that, you know, he looks great in the offseason, whether it's the spring or fall camp, but can he put it together on the field this year? He said he's been, you know, kind of studying up a lot of Isaiah Simmons and what he was able to do at Clemson. You know, he's kind of the the poster boy for that position um, when Brent Venables was the defensive coordinator over there. Um, obviously, you know, national defensive player of the year, national champion, first round pick. So he's been watching a lot of his film to try to get better. But then adding a guy like Desan McCullough, I mean, his ceiling is so high. He was graded in Indiana last year as a freshman, but he's still so young. I mean, he's obviously yeah. played some some football, but, you know, this is just his second year. Um, so I, I, I know 
people think really highly of him. They think he might be the guy that emerges at Cheetah eventually. I think both those guys are going to play. I think it might take a little bit more time for Gasson to kind of get settled in there. Um, but again, the ceiling is so high for him, and they f- they should feel really good, particularly with those two guys getting the bulk of the snaps at that position. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. All right, Josh, what do you got for us? The ratings, yeah. One to ten, how you feel about it, strength, depth. Um, I'm starting this time. I've really gone back and forth on just how high I wanted to go. Um, it's clearly a strong position, but it's like how how high. And I'm I'm settling pretty high. I'm going to go with a nine. I mean, wow, Danny Sutton yeah. led the Big 12 in tackles last year, and he's mm-hmm. back. Um, has an argument as the best player on the defense, um, certainly, does Danny Stutzman. I love to saw McCullough. Justin Harrington is that guy, like Tom was just saying. Those year two guys, I think, are all ready to make a jump. Um, and then, I, you know, they're probably they're, they're almost certainly not going to see the field this year um, unless it's just out of dire need. But I love the freshmen, too. Lewis Carter and Samuel Masigo are both beasts. When, when those guys' time comes, they're going to be fun. Um, so the room is good. The room is really good. Connor Neer, um, the room is good. Um, don't have a lot of complaints. I mean, I guess we'll see when the Bulls start flying, but – I feel like the depth is a lot better. I give it a nine. Feel good about it. What about you guys? I think it is it top, remind top me, depth, right? Remind me which group from you got the highest score. Was it safeties? We haven't done, we safeties. done safeties yet. Oh, we haven't done safeties. Uh, I think so far it's been. I gave DNs a pretty high grade. I got to go back and write all these down. Yeah, I gave DNs right a pretty high grade. I can't remember. 9.5, I think, maybe. I can't yeah, remember. yeah. One of those, I remember one of them was higher. I couldn't remember which group. Okay. All right. Safeties will be high, though, when we get there. We'll <laughs> teaser. <laughs> Go ahead, Tom. Um, so I, I've been going back and forth, too, a little bit, just, you know, how high do I want to take it? Um, I think I'm going to settle in at a 8.5, you know, not quite as high as Josh here, but I do think that this group has a lot of potential there in the center of that defense. I think it's going to be so helpful for them to not have to have Danny Stutzman play a 1,000 snaps because um, while he was super productive last season um, – his pro football focus grades weren't the greatest on that defense, even though he was the most productive guy overall. Um, and I think playing fewer snaps will help him be more efficient out there, um, not just racking up the num- you know, not just racking up the numbers. Um, but I, I do, I do like their depth. You know, I I, I like Jaron Cannon coming back for a second year. I, I think Connor Near is going to play a lot for them once he gets settled in and gets really comfortable in that position. And again, you know, I, I, I talked about that cheetah position, but I think they sh- they should feel really good between Justin Harrington and Desan McCullough there, um, and and then just those, those younger guys coming back for a, a second year. You know, getting getting their feet you know wet, getting a little bit more involved in there. Um, I, I think this position group is going to be, you know, a lot better than it was last year. Also, you know, squirrel quick, shame on me and us for forgetting as well. Shane Witter, very big X factor in that group too. That was mm. two years ago, uh, 2021. Alex Grinch and that staff loved Shane Witter. Said he was one of the fastest guys on the team as a linebacker. Um, oh, wow. And he was injured all last season, so we never had to really see him. He is a major X factor. I did an article on, on Oklahoma247sports.com back in the summer of I think it was like three or five wild card players, and Shane Witter was on there because his upside. He, he's kind of like I don't I don't know what to expect, but if he's a guy, that's that's another that's another guy. So, yeah. James, go ahead. All right, this is a boring answer, but I was I got to be truthful to myself. I was gonna go eight point five <laughs> as well. So me and Tom are gonna gonna be even here. Uh, I'm gonna stick with it. I think, and I think that's the floor for this group. I really do think like they could be a lot better than eight point five. It's like sure. this is the starting point. 
and they're going to prove it, I think, this season that they're going to be even better. Because we talked about it with, you know, everything with the guys coming back, Danny Stutzman, things like that. This is a group that you can be uh, fairly comfortable with, and uh, that's where it stands with me right now. Yeah, and, and if this group can just improve um, overall, but especially in run support, Oklahoma should feel a lot better about its defense overall um, and just kind of taking that step forward in year two with Brent Venables. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So there you have it. Linebacker group going to be a solid one. Most of these defensive groups are getting pretty good ratings. Obviously, we're a little, a little critical-ish of the D tackles, but um, it's a good defense. It's deep, much deeper than it has been, which has been the whole – theme of this entire summer basically is, is depth so there you have it so that's our linebacker breakdown we're going to go back to offense next week wide receivers like i said earlier will be up next that's a fun group emma jones annihilating it on the recruiting trail but what about his current group what do we think of it we'll talk about that coming up next on monday then we'll do cornerbacks then last week we'll finish up with tight ends and then safeties and then it's week one which is kind of crazy um to wow. uh put in perspective there we're getting close we're getting yeah, close we're just about three weeks away man it's <laughs> creeping yeah. up real quick it is that it is so there you have it i think that's it anything else you guys want to add about anything get off your chest i'm fine i'm glad everybody's <laughs> subscribed to the, to the podcast man i'm like i said last part i'm just happy people are liking it that's that's the biggest thing for us absolutely absolutely so there you have it again subscribe to the youtube channel player interviews, uh, practice footage, all that stuff will live there. And then during the season, press conferences, it's all going to be, be there. So you're not going to miss anything if you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Of course, also subscribe on Apple and Spotify. Leave a rating, leave a review, uh, be nice to us, hopefully. And uh, that stuff really helps us out as well. And become a VIP subscriber at Oklahoma247sports.com. We've had lots of great recruiting intel. Um, for, uh, fall camp intel that we're getting. Like I said, the scrimmage is coming up. There's going to be some VIP insider info on how that goes as well. So you're going to want to subscribe. Now's the time. Get in there while you can. Season's coming up here very, very soon. That's it for us. We'll be back early next week. Maybe a Tuesday show again. Keep your eye out. Practice timing. We'll have to see how that all shakes out. But we'll be back early part of next week to talk about the latest from fall camp and all the other goings on with Oklahoma football. That's it for now. For Colin Candy earlier, Tom Green, James Jackson, I'm Josh Calloway. We'll see you next week for another edition of the Sooners Illustrated podcast. CBS Friday, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.